This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast this week. Kyle, can you lead off with the topic? So this week, we're going to be talking about expanding the system, when you should do it, why you should do it, and how you should do it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, in our prelude, you know, leading up to this, I think that we wanted to start off by addressing a problem and when it seems like you may need to expand, um, but if things would have been done differently to start with, you may not be in this situation. Yeah. I mean, like, people we've talked to, you know, they're, sometimes they're told by other agents that, you know, with the design of the policy, they have them paying in for a few years, like a lot of premium, let's say, you know, $30,000 of premium. And then year four or five or six, it gets reduced down to half or less than half of that. And then, oh, that's the time to expand the system. Well, is that really right? I don't think so. And reason being is because it could have been done differently. You could have set it up or you could have set up a policy to continue paying in $30,000 for a long period of time if you want to. I mean, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years if you want to. Yeah, so we kind of think that's like not the right way to expand the system or um, the setup for that is not correct, but we do. Yeah, like initially something was just wrong and it's forced. This isn't a natural expansion. This is a forced expansion because of yeah. how the system was set up to begin. I mean, it's a great way for an agent, you know, to get you on a reoccurring um, setting up policies and stuff, so. Yeah, and one more thing that comes to mind, Kyle, um, very, very common, and, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't look at the IRR in a life insurance policy, but people will say, max fund this thing for seven years, reduce pay it up, start another policy. That will maximize your internal rate of return in the policy. And I don't disagree with them at all. It, it absolutely will maximize your internal rate of return in the policy. But... The problem is it is forcing you to go through underwriting and you you just don't know what the future holds for your health. Nobody does. No. So you're forced into this. Um, you don't know if you'll qualify. You don't know if you qualify. Now, I should say, because people are going to listen to that and say, no, you're not forced. If something happens, you know, you could potentially pay into it longer. If the policy was set up to do that, you could, because you, you don't have to decide that you're going to reduce pay up the policy when you start it. Mm -hmm. You know, we can all agree on that. But if the policy wasn't set up to be able to, you know, handle 40 years of funding versus seven or whatever it is, you know, um, that's the problem that I'm trying to point out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, it, it will maximize the IRR. Um, not necessarily going to maximize how much cash value you have, because if you're going through startup expenses with policy after policy after policy, you know, it takes time. Yeah, I think people get caught up in how a lot of other people like to talk about how many policies they have. Oh, we have 50 policies. We have 60 policies. Well, so people think the more policies you have, you know, the better it is. And, oh, I need a policy for this specific thing and this specific thing. It's like, 
I don't, I mean, the number of policies does not matter. It's all about um, how much cash value you have, yeah, how I'm, much premium, total premium you can pay. I will tell you that, you know, one huge policy is going to be much better for you and more efficient than, you know, 10 smaller ones that add up to that. Yeah. So that's 10 little, you know, that's startup costs for 10 different policies versus, you know, one initial startup cost. Kyle, would you rather manage 70 small policies or one large policy? Oh, man. The one <laughs> large one, and it's simple, you know, and we, we realize that, we and we tell people that you should start where you're comfortable. Um, We're just trying to make a point here. Yeah. That, you know, there's a balance to be had. Definitely. So, I mean, these are just things that we think about. And so... But, I guess, you know, we've talked about why or what is not the correct way to think about expanding the system. So what would you say is the right way to think about it? Well, let's go back to your $30,000 example. But now, instead of saying that this policy was designed, you know, to cut the premium in half, you know, at at an early point in time, let's say year five, um, let's say that this thing was designed, you know, this is a 25-year-old, this thing was designed to pay in that $30,000 for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And they can continue to pay the base premium after that, but maybe they can't pay the entire PUA anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, you know, they're at year five, and it's just like, hey, guys, you know, I got money building up in my account. Um, That's the reason, personally, why I've been starting new policies, because money is still building up in the checking account. So, obviously... I'm not paying enough premium mm-hmm. in my mind. Um, that's a pretty natural expansion. That's the first and easiest rec- easiest to recognize, in my opinion. And the most common, I would say, probably. Yeah. Most common way to expand. Um, some other really common things are uh, maybe you got married and it's time to insure a spouse. Maybe you, maybe you had a kid. Um, business. so you need to insure them. Start a new business with a business partner. Maybe you need some death benefit on that business partner. Yeah. Maybe the cash value is nice, but you really need death benefit because they, they, if you would lose them, your business could suffer or potentially fail. Yeah, or maybe your boy Joe Biden gets his <laughs> way with estate taxes, lowers that, so the threshold anyways, and you need a way to pay for state taxes so you take out a policy on your parents yeah and i just want to clarify for everybody joe biden's not my boy (laughs) (laughs) but i mean that's another thing that we've you know it's kind of been popular that we've talked about multiple people with lately is um estate taxes and worrying about dropping the threshold and stuff like that so it absolutely could happen and it's something that it's much better to plan for early on than to get to 75 and be like I could have a problem here. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> let's just walk through that scenario real quick. Say you're 45 or 40 or whatever age it is, 50. Um, you have, if we take a 50-year-old, that's 25 years that you could have been paying premium towards something to help with this problem of estate taxes versus a 75-year-old. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of time for a policy to become efficient, build cash you cash value, build death benefit um, versus a 75-year-old, you know, a dollar of premium is going to buy you a lot less death benefit at 75 than it is at 50. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's there's just no way around that. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, sometimes it doesn't make sense to do policies at that age, you know, depending on the person. So but absolutely. I mean, they, and they, maybe they're not even insurable. Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the odds of them being insurable at 50 are much higher than at 75. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we've done some policies on some people in their 70s. Worked out pretty good. So, I mean, it's definitely a possible, though, possibility for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that you can't. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, things are starting to work against you. Yeah. Just, it's just human nature. And maybe something else we should touch on is as you're expanding your system and you might get to the point where, I mean, you're paying a bunch of premium compared to income and stuff like that. Maybe there's a year or two where you can't fill everything up and that's not the end of the world. Um, It's just, you know, that your system is probably large enough to handle where you're at and there's no need to expand the system anymore at that time. So, um, and that's where it's nice to have, you know, with policies that we design with PUA riders on them, you typically uh, are not required to pay in that full amount. No. Um, you can also bounce up and down and potentially catch up on previous years. You know, all that stuff just adds a lot of flexibility into the system to be able to allow you to expand. But if there's ever a time where you've expanded to meet your needs and you can't fill it, you aren't obligated to still somehow have to come up with the money. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a $40,000 premium, I mean, you're not obligated. The way we design policies, you're not going to You're be not obligated. obligated to pay all that. No. So, could be half, could be less than half, you know? So. Yeah. Just depends on the person, the situation, mm-hmm. the company. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think this is an important topic though. Everybody's always wondering when should I start another policy? And I mean, yeah, when you have more cash laying around and you have nothing to do with it and it's just, you know, sitting in the bank account, that's, it's probably time to consider. Absolutely. So this is pretty simple. I think it's pretty easy to understand. Um, if you can, the reason, you know, we pointed out in the beginning why that's a faulty way because we want to help you identify the right way to get started, and then it's pretty easy mm-hmm. to determine when to expand. Yeah. It's not a false sense of having to or being forced to. Yeah, exactly. And, I, yeah, need to be aware of that. And, you know, some of those, I guess you would call them sales tactics of, you know, suggesting that. Yeah. So. And in certain situations, you know, it may have been the best possible design as well. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're not hating on a specific design per se but for most people in that situation it's just it doesn't make a lot of sense but if you have like lump sums of cash that you do not see you know coming to you after a certain period then you know definitely paying in a lot of money you know for four or five six years that can make sense and then dropping down so yeah definitely i mean every scenario has some unique you know variables in it but i mean just in general, you know, that's probably not the best way to go about things. Yeah. So. Yep. Anyways, um, I think that covers everything that I have on expanding the system. Kyle, do you want to add anything else? No, I think uh, we got this topic covered good. If you guys have any questions, reach out to us and we'll be back next week with a new podcast. All right. See you guys. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.